Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, and the rest of the team at Lucasfilm have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the one, the only, Dan Z. Uh, he and I are recording this on Wednesday, November 13th, which is the day after Disney Plus, the company's new subscription streaming service, debuted. Uh, which means that Dan and I have now both had the opportunity to see episode one of The Mandalorian, the first ever Star Wars live action series. So, cut to the chase, Dan. What'd you think? <laughs> uh, Disney Plus of The Mandalorian, because uh, I could actually talk to you for an hour about the, the world according to Jeff Goldblum. I love that. But The Mandalorian <laughs> was wonderful. I've seen it five times now, and I can't get enough of it. Mm hmm. I, I gotta say, I love. I mean, it, this is a brand new thing, but I love the throwbacks to the original trilogy. I mean, you know, things like how you know the prisoners are transported when they're in car- carbonite, or you know, little things like that gatekeeper droid with the eye stock that came out of the wall, just like it did at Jabba's palace. And um, I, I Same also dialogue you know, too, by the way. Was it really? Oh. oh yeah. Beat, beat by beat. Oh. I'm sure it was the same exact sound from oh, the movie. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I also loved that so many people in this world that, you know, this post empire world that really, you know, are, are living on the fringes, uh, you know, spoke Hatties, you know, with the notion, which sort of gave you a sense of how far into lawlessness, you know, things have, have, have gotten, you know, post return of the Jedi. Um, I mean, I, I I even like how they folded in the television stuff. I mean, you know, the reference to Life Day or, you know, that, that there were birds the, on the, this planet. Yeah, and, that, and that's – I just did a, uh, a piece for IGN that aired today mm-hmm. that they were recording this about sort of some of the um, vernacular of the Mandalorian and the creatures and the different mm-hmm. things and where they've come from. Mm-hmm. Those blurgs are from the Clone Wars, uh, mm-hmm. and a little bit in Rebels, but mostly in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And they, they reference a mythosaur, mm-hmm. which is that giant creature that Boba Fett rides in the holiday special. There's probably four or five references to the holiday special in this thing, Oh God. which I got to say, I enjoyed quite a bit more than I expected. And I will say I've been a little lukewarm on this thing from day one, just because I mm-hmm. just thought we just didn't need more. Mm-hmm. We don't need nihilism in Star Wars, mm-hmm. but it's not like that at all. And uh, I no. like that this, this character actually has some heart and he's mm-hmm. not just some silent gunslinging mystery man but he's actually got uh empathy in him and he's kind when he needs mm-hmm. to be but he's also ruthless and i i was extremely intrigued so much so that i've incorporated a lesson right away from my mythology students where we're writing an essay on the influences of, of other mythologies in this and uh what this says about heroism in the time period and why that might be so we're having fun with it well that's great to hear and um Look, uh, we can't really talk about the last 30 seconds because... No, I don't want to... Yeah, yeah. yeah, so few people have actually seen this, but that was kind of an intriguing twist, don't you think? Oh, gosh. It was uh, was goosebump-inducing and a literal jaw-dropping moment. Yeah, I I can't wait till people see it because, oh, my. Really, oh, my. What can you say? Yeah, okay. Well, well, folks, we're going to table discussing that for at least a couple episodes, going to give you all a chance to, to, to check it out. I don't, I, it's too good. Don't want to spoil it. It was um, like, it was, uh, well, no, I almost ruined it again. I was going to make a Drew Taylor joke, but I won't because I don't want to ruin the, what happened. 
Okay. All right. Turning now to Star Wars Resistance. I uh, caught the most recent episode uh, from Beneath, and I got to say, kind of a meh episode. I mean, I, I get that. Uh, in fact, just speaking of Drew Trailer, kudos to him, kudos to you, to, to breaking the whole Orca and Flicks are a couple story. But, um, I, you know, I got to tell you, this. I didn't think this episode was as exciting or as intriguing as the previous week's show, The Engineer, and even that one uh, with Nina's uh, storyline. I, I honestly wish that had been, you know, spread out over a couple of episodes instead of rushed through in one. Well, um, I, I think they've got some things in mind because they've got, they've got a short amount of time to get through a lot of real estate. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, mean, I think that's probably why. It was nice hmm. to get to see those other two. And, and uh, by the way, uh, it was kind of you to say so, but the kudos all go to Drew. That was his question that he asked at that junk that he covered for me for season two of, of Star Wars Resistance, where they revealed officially that they have the first openly gay mm-hmm. couple on screen in mm-hmm. Star Wars. So that was all him. Okay. Um, so that was, a, I mean, it got picked up. I think we talked about this before by gosh, so many different huge outlets, Vanity Fair yeah, Entertainment kind of crazy. and stuff. But yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're seeing. It was, it was a different paced one, but the last mm-hmm. couple have been a little more intense. It looks like next week's, my gosh, mm-hmm. from the footage we've seen, it mm-hmm. almost looks like they're going to bat too. Did you get that as well? Oh, really? No, I missed that. You know, I just, but let's face it. What with the news of, in, you know, back on August 19th, that, uh, you know, uh, you know, Star Wars Resistance is out after just two seasons. I mean, it's not like Dave Filoni has the luxury, uh, you know, like he did with Star Wars Rebels of stretching out the story over four seasons. He's really running for the curtain at this point. Right. Um, speaking of which, though, did you see that great interview in uh, Vanity Fair uh, about Dave? Or? Yes, Anthony Bresnikan did a, a wonderful piece, uh, mm-hmm. which I thought was wonder- great because we know, you and I and Star Wars oh, fans yeah. know how important Dave is. Mm-hmm. But maybe the the general public isn't quite aware of the impact that this man has. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very, very well-deserved, a, a wonderful piece. And just doubling back for a second here, I mean, Dave has been basically specializing for years and, you know, uh, directing on the animation side. But I got to say, for, you know, the work he did uh, for the, uh, he directed the, the first episode of The Mandalorian and it's like, Man, you know, this this guy's got live action chops. I can't wait to see what he does going forward here. Oh, I agree. He is uh the sky's the limit for this guy and he is uh we had um I know I mentioned this before too, but I his show, his interview that he had on well is on our show and a couple of other Star Wars podcasts mm-hmm. uh, where the way everyone talks about him and his mm-hmm. jump from animation to live action and learning about different things like, you know, in the DP will say, "Yeah, this is a great idea, but you know, the sun's going down." Mm-hmm. So we got to be careful, you know, in animation, I can do these other things. But when you're watching that first episode, it doesn't come across as a first time director. It comes across as a seasoned veteran. Oh, no, no, no. That's exactly it. It's, it's very assured pacing wise, beautifully composed shots. I mean, good, good stuff. Um, anyway, double back quickly to Star Wars Resistance here. Sure. We've got two episodes left uh, before the winter break. We've got, uh, you'd mentioned the one coming up that's possibly set up, but two. Uh, the Relic Raiders, which drops on the 17th, and then Rendezvous Point on the 24th. And then, like I said, uh, they go on their winter break. Uh, kind of intriguing to me that this time around we only got eight episodes before they went to winter break. Uh, first season, we got ten. Uh, and if the pattern holds, uh, Star Wars Resistance will be back uh, with new episodes in mid-January of 2020. 
by the way, folks, if you, you haven't caught Rise of the Resistance yet, uh, what's kind of cool is that uh, Disney Plus has the first season, the entire first season, archived over there. So you can catch up pretty quickly, uh, you know, by just dropping by there, at least on season one. Uh, on the other hand, um, folks, uh, who were sort of digging around the first day that, um, uh, uh, you know, Disney plus was up and running. There were a number of folks who decided they'd go check out new hope. And did you hear about <laughs> how Greedo now has uh, some last words? Yes. And apparently this was something George had wanted before the Disney acquisition, Mm-hmm. Oh boy, what what do you think? I just kind of rolled my eyes. And I thought, oh, because when you first read the announcement, you know Disney changed something to the mm-hmm. um, to the sequence where Han and, and Greedo face off in the canteen. You think, oh my gosh, they've restored balance to the Force, but no, mm-hmm. they've added uh, more uh, nonsensical, unimportant things to it. And I mean, I guess the plus side is that they're in 4K, yeah. and that you know that's a yeah. glorious thing. That's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have yet to check it out on my Apple on my tv here in the basement but uh what do you think well you know i mean it just it, it's oh uh, i feel like george is that guy you know who's got you know ever you know been with somebody who you know can't leave the living room alone every time you go to the house the furniture is a different configuration because it's not <laughs> quite right yet it's you like know? you're just de- it's like you're describing my house well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, that was the thing with that scene. I mean, think about it. It's, it, it's existed since 1977, and George was still not happy with it. And, you know, just before it goes out the door, one more, one more thing. Hang on. So, uh, uh. well, I I, I, speak, speaking of changes, though, uh, October 23rd, I don't know how we didn't bring this up on the last show, but Disney Parks and Resorts revealed that starting on December 20th, Star Tours Adventures Continue will introduce a brand new ride film or a brand new version of, of the ride film. This one, which keys off of the events uh, from Rise of Skywalker, is going to feature a flyover of Keith Bearer. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, the the An ocean moon that Star Wars fans haven't been to yet, uh, but that we've seen, I guess, from the trailer and the, um, the various TV ads, because... This is the place with the giant chunk of the Death Star sticking up out of it. So um, I get I have to admit what I like about this is that it drops on the exact same day, Dan, that uh, Star Wars, uh, the, the Rise of Skywalker opens in theaters. So oh, you I can't know. jump ahead. You know, you can't nope. peek at, you know, can't, and no spoilers, folks. <laughs> you know, just sort of like, uh, you know, can't go to the park ahead of time. Uh, that's right. That. So that's, um, I'm excited. I'm glad that they're still giving some life to Star Tours. I mean that this is. I mean, couldn't get more up, updated than that. So that mm-hmm. it kind of puts uh, at ease those of us that were worried that Star Tours was going to fade away. But if they're doing things like this, I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a good sign. Now, it, it, I'd love that you brought up Star Tours because, I, again, I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm, I'm touching it right now. I have my copy. Of I am three C three PO the inside story and it's cool to have this not quite as cool as actually getting to talk to Anthony Daniels which you did relatively recently and, and not like 
what they did the, the five to ten minute long phone right or no yeah well, we got to talk for a good 35 minutes or so and and as far as i know we're the only star wars podcast that got an interview with him so that was pretty great he was on good morning america mm-hmm. and of course the star wars show and all kinds of things and on coffee with kenobi which is wonderful and he is um he is so sincere and sarcastic mm-hmm. Uh, and also very kind, and that mm-hmm. comes through. came through in the interview, which I hope everybody will check out on Coffee mm-hmm. with Kenobi. But it also very much, as you know, comes through in his memoir, and uh, oh. it's great. It covers the gamut of everything he's done. And I love how he writes. I mean, in fact, you know, it, 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 it's interesting. I love the, the section in here that actually talks about Star Tours. And, in fact, let me see if I can find um, – Let's see. All right. He talks about it. You know, they, they shot live action reference that they then used to program the AA figure for the parks. And, uh, you know, so he talks about, I stood before the cameras in front of a mock-up of the control console in an otherwise empty studio. Uh, Tom, uh, that's Tom Fitzgerald, the Imagineer who sort of wrote herd in this project. Tom directed my performance as I was instructed and cajoled, uh, to have an eye line with the then non-existent R2-D2. Uh, I was wearing jeans and a shirt and a sandbag. Uh, the latter kept my feet steady in one place. My left leg, uh, the left leg of the animatronic you're talking about, that would be the conduit for all the wires needed to activate the animatronic figure I would soon become. Um, I, he's He's got such a gift for you know, fun phraseology and 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 again, what I, I also enjoy about him is he's 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 constantly kind of making fun of himself in this gig. Yeah, he's he's self-effacing, mm-hmm. but uh, but lovingly so. And it, yeah, mm-hmm. he, you're right. Is his his turn of phrase is is quite because you can almost catch mm-hmm. sort of a sort of an eye, a raised eyebrow or or a, a very no. very subtle smirk in his language. But it doesn't come across as um as cynical. It, no, it's just, not it's just at all. genuine, just genuine uh, love of life. And in fact, what's what's for me, what's always fascinating about this story is, in fact, just before uh, this section where he talks about uh, doing you know C three PO for reference for the Star Tours attraction, it's him talking quite sincerely about. Okay, we just finished, you know, Return of the Jedi. This is where I say goodbye to this character, and it's like, no, that's not quite how it worked out. Um, speaking of saying goodbye, though, oh Dan, it kind of breaks my heart to share this press release. But did you see this thing about the Star Wars Mini Lands at Lego? No, tell me about this. Hmm. Okay, it literally says this. Okay. Come seek the force at the Lego Star Wars Mini Land model display at Legoland as we say goodbye. For eight years, millions of Legoland guests around the world have enjoyed experiencing the iconic saga by seeing scenes from each of the seven live-action Star Wars movies uh, replicated in uh, 1 to 20 scale using 1.5 million Lego bricks. Uh, This has been going on since 2011, and... Well, as of January, these lands are being shut down. And I, I now, have you managed to get into either the the Legoland California, the Legoland Flor, uh, or California or Florida to check these out? No, I haven't. Oh, you you have to make the trip. Like, you know, before and again, they're, they're saying here, folks, uh, it's going to shut down. Uh, they're leaving the Legoland parks, and again, that's the phrase. It's not leaving. 
Minilands leaving not a singular park. It said Lego Legoland parks plural on January six. But um, so the one in California, uh, honestly, the uh, you know they they they've they've done uh, set pieces for Naboo, uh, Mustafar, Tatooine, uh, Hoth, Endor, Jakku, uh, and not only that the. The uh, the Wookiee home planet, which I always have trouble pronouncing, uh, Kashyyyk. 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 And K A S H Y Y Y K. Am I right? It's, see, this is the problem. When you have a name like <laughs> Hill, you can't, any anything else is impossible to pronounce. And Genosis? Um, Genosis did I get that one right? Genosis. Yeah, but the, the, the Naboo one alone for the battle, uh, battle scene with the droids. And uh, you know, uh, and and all of the you know the uh, underwater denizens who come out. Why am I? I'm I'm blanking his name and his people. Um, Which character? Uh, I'm at best. Um, oh, Jar Jar. Jar Jar. Yes, Jar Jar and his Jungans. people. Yes, Jungans. Yeah, it's it's this amazing. You know, I mean, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of droids and hundreds upon hundreds of Gungans and replications of all the war machines and the the beasts. I mean, honestly, you know, that was the one that sort of introduced what they were going to do for scale. Uh, and it just it kind of breaks my heart because this it was so great to go to a Lego park. And what's cool about these things is they have all these little uh, stations where kids can hammer on buttons and individual ride vehicles or, you know, machines will come to life or, or sounds that we know and love from the star Wars films will, will come to life. And I, I've got to assume given that, you know, face it, the Legoland parks are considered direct competition, both in the, both California, the Florida market for Disney that um, I, I have to assume that Disney withdrew the rights to use them in another theme park, you know, which makes sense given it the makes amount of sense. money yeah. that spent to build um, Galaxy you just, helped it, you just helped that it doesn't impact the relationship between Lego and Star Wars because Star Wars basically saved that company, just like they did with Marvel back in the 80s, 70s. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Um, well, you know, just again, folks, you've got till January 6th, uh, you know, you know, and and trust me, it is it's it's worth the trip if you're a Star Wars fan. And um, in the meantime, I'm 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 hoping that that some corrupt Legoland employee out there will send me a droid from from Naboo. You know, because they was they're so cool. You know, particularly teeny tiny like that. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, speaking of things that kids love, uh, when Dan and I get back from this commercial break, we're going to touch on a topic that's a trifle surreal. And we're back. And I say surreal, Dan. This uh, reminds me of those duck puns. I like Well, it. that's what I'm about to say. This is a complete dad joke because I didn't mean surreal. I meant cereal. Um, look, I, I, we were just talking about Drew Taylor. Uh, you know, I do the fine-tuning podcast with him. And, I, you know, as part of our coverage of Walt Disney Animation Studios' next would-be blockbuster, Frozen 2, uh, which arrives in theaters November 22nd, uh, I felt that I had to try a bowl of Kellogg's Frozen 2 cereal, which features Olaf and leaf-shaped marshmallows, by the way, Dan. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't I, have it any other way. 
Yeah. But the same thing is, folks, I'm a diabetic. Okay. So eating a bowl of sugary cereal really is kind of like taking my life in my hands. But but I do it for you. I can I, I do it for the listeners. Uh, you know, so so I can I can report on this stuff. And and Dan, I I just felt if I I was doing it for the fine tuning podcast, I should also do it for our show, looking at Lucasfilm. Well, aren't you so, sweet? I, well, I could have, particularly after having this cereal, yeah. I you know yeah. just I, I picked up a box of Star Wars cereal. Um, I, I I don't know if you, you you've seen this yet. The the the, the they've done a limited edition. Uh, this I believe is the General Mills product. Uh, two variations on the box. Uh, one version features BB-8 and his new pal Dio. Am I saying that right? Yep, Dio. Uh, just think okay. of just think of the '80s heavy metal singer Dio, Ronnie James okay. Dio. Yep, I mean, I got him. I got him right here on my desk. And by the way, I was just reading this week that his look isn't necessarily inspired by Snoopy. I thought so, uh, but it's it, it's actually inspired by that Mad Magazine cartoon, Spy versus Spy. Oh, perfect! That's yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's yeah. I can see that. I can well. The thing, so they heard it. Well, well, of course. Um, meanwhile, the other box features Kylo Ren with a, a red Sith trooper by his side, and um, Star Wars cereal is described on the outside as a fruity flavored cereal with marshmallows and other natural flavors. And I love that the copywriter <laughs> tried to make you know uh, marshmallows sound like well, they're a natural flavor, you know, because you know because we can all go out to the yard and pick you know stuff off of the marshmallow bush. Well, sure. Uh, and let's see, uh, the marshmallows are shaped like BB-8, R2-D2, uh, Jedi Starfighters, Stormtroopers, and Lightsabers. And depending on which box you get, uh, if you get the, the, the uh, BB-8 box, you can swap it around to the back. And it has a schematic for an X-Wing uh, and, you know, the, the, with a slogan, keep the resistance flying. But on the other hand, you get the Kylo Ren box. It's got a TIE Fighter and keep the First Order flying. Um, but I, I don't need to tell you, Dan, that this is not the first time we've gotten a Star Wars cereal. Um, if I told you the amount of cereal boxes with either Star Wars or Indiana Jones characters that I have in my attic, you might be embarrassed for me. No, 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 no. That someday you'll, you'll have to come to, to, to my home and see the, 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 the incredible pile of Disney crud. Um, <laughs> so did, did you start with the... Oh, what was it? The the, the 2015, the May the 4th uh, announcement? What, what is it? Uh, they they actually brought Star Wars cereal back in June of that year, right? Oh, and I have that box. Yeah, okay. I, 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 went all the, I go all the way back to C-3PO's. Well, now we're going to get to that. That's what I, I was kind of intrigued by with the, the Star Wars cereal that General Mills put out in, in June of that year. Uh, let's see. They had, that one was a fruit-flavored corn puff, uh, and they were supposedly shaped like X-Wing and TIE Fighters, and uh, had marshmallow shapes of R2-D2 Yoda, uh, lightsabers, uh, starfight, uh, starfighters, Jedi starfighters, and stormtroopers. Uh, and also kind of a thing where they were trying to convince you to buy two different boxes, because what was it? One box had Darth Vader... And the other one had Yoda, yep. and there was this whole what choose your side promotion. Correct. Yes. Okay. Um, and then just a few months later, uh, you know, out ahead, of course, of the December release of Force Awakens, uh, two other you know uh, cereal boxes uh, this time around. Again, oddly enough, again, uh, BB-8 on one box, Kylo Ren on the other. Uh, 
the, the inside the box, they lost the Yoda marshmallow, and it was replaced by a little swirly orange marshmallow that was supposed to represent BB-8. What, what actually really cracked me up is that General Mills went all in at that point to support, um, uh, you know, the, the, the Force Awakens. So it wasn't just these two Star Wars uh, or limited edition Star Wars cereal boxes. They, there were other ones. Did you get the the other boxes with like what? With the, they, they, they describe a cinnamon toast crunch box here with Tie Fighters who had wings made out of the cinnamon toast squares. Or um, I had that was, one, and I had the Honey Nut Cheerios one. Yeah. <laughs> so so all right, and, and, and what Dad's not describing here is Buzzbee. By the way, that is the name of the. The, the the little honeybee, uh, you know, uh, mascot for Honey Nut Cheerios, Busby. Uh, they had him dressed as Darth Vader, and he's wielding a honey dipper as if it were a lightsaber. Uh, and then what? As the you tricks- do, yeah. Yeah, well, of course. Uh, and then a tricks box, the tricks rabbit uh, was dressed as Leia, and they they sort of rolled up her his or her ears like Leia. Uh, and Cookie Crisp, the the wolf there, was dressed as a stormtrooper and holding a helmet. Um, I, now if we jump back 10 years from there, Kellogg's had the license for a Star Wars serial and, and they did an episode three serial. Uh, and, and in this case, it was a sweet note serial with marshmallows and marshmallow shapes like R2D2, C3PO and lightsabers. But the one I, I, you, you have to tell me, Dan, if you have this one, the, the, the for 2002 General Mills had the license and they did an episode two serial clone crunch. I didn't, I did not know about this. 2002 <sighs> was about the only time I didn't go rabbit for Star Wars merch because I still had Phantom Menace stuff all over the place. Wow. I didn't know they just, had that. Well, but that's the thing. I love this name, clone crunch. That's uh, great. But, but look, you know, that, 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 as Dan mentioned just a few minutes ago, the one that started it all was C-3PO's. Um, and, and this hit the market in 1984. And kind of significant timing there. Because you can remember, May of 1983, Star Wars Episode uh, Six: Return of the Jedi, comes out. And it isn't until September of 1985 that the droids animated series bows as part of ABC's Saturday Morning. And it, as I understand it, George wanted to keep C-3PO and R2-D2 front of mind. Uh, between these two projects, uh, you know, at the very least, uh, you know, uh, you know, to help keep up Star Wars uh, merch sales, but also, you know, again, he, he has genuine affection for these characters. And so he cuts a deal with Kellogg to produce a crunchy home honey sweetened oat wheat and corn cereal. And I, I guess the catchphrase for this thing is twin rings fa- phase together for a crunchy new force at breakfast. Um, does it make you as crazy as, as it does me, Dan, when people who are writing about Star Wars use Star Trek stuff? <laughs> I, I, it's either that or when they use a Star Wars verb or something, um, incorrectly because you can tell they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, I definitely notice. Yeah, just again, don't worry. I love Star Wars. I love Star Trek. I just, you know, don't nobody cross the beams. streams. <laughs> well, there you go. But nobody beams the tattoo, you know, no. the, the Tatooine. All right. No. Anyway, um, by the way, if you go to YouTube right now, there are 
these, it, it, I found at least two of them, these amazing commercials for the Star Wars cereal. And yet they have, they describe the cereal as part of these ads, the excitement, the adventure of a new force at breakfast, two crunches with every double O. Um, but uh, getting back to Anthony Daniels' book, uh, The Inside Story, he actually talks about, uh, you know, uh, the, the cereal effect. As he describes it, that there's that wonderful section of the book where he's walking. In fact, what's kind of delightful about Anthony is that he doesn't have a lot of Star Wars merchandise in his home. Um, you know, it's just he plays the character and he doesn't feel the need to fill out his home with every single, you know, C-3PO product that's ever been produced. But in this book, when, you know, he's talking about the items he has, he says, well, one of the favorite pieces he has is a beautiful blue box, a golden 3PO proudly presenting a bowl of fruit and cereal, Kellogg's C-3PO's. I have a pack of the original product unopened. I wonder what it would taste like some 30 years later. Probably the same. Um, and he goes on to describe the snack started off life as totally unsweetened and healthy, and they were indeed O-shaped. Uh, it was a fun, fun play on words, and we shot amusing commercials around exotic Mono Lake in California. Those few tourists who visiting that national park were clearly astounded to find C- uh, 3PO wandering around with a bunch of rock monsters. And and by the way, again, quick side note, we were just talking about Star Trek. Um, you ever seen the the one of the feature films that Shatner directed, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier? Oh, yeah, with the weird uh, Wizard of Oz weirdness. At the yeah, end. yeah. Well, but the, the Shatner, it, when you get behind the scenes on that thing, um, and you get down to the, the, the last 15, 20 minutes of this, um, you know, the, the conceit is Captain Kirk has been left behind on the planet, the shuttlecraft, and this, this, the shuttlecraft is now being attacked by these rock monsters. And the problem is Paramount, the budget that Paramount gave Shatner to work with was so small. They, the effects people were only able to make one rock monster. And, you know, they were supposed to sort of, okay, shoot the rock monster in this side, shoot the rock monster in that side, make it look like a whole bunch of rock monsters. Um, but it was such an awful costume uh, that, you know, they got it on location. It's like, okay, we'll figure this out when you get back to the studio. We can't use that. And the irony is that that's 1989. All right. And so here they are. They're shooting this, you know, the, the commercial for C-3PO's at Mono Lake in gotta be late 83, early 84. Um, and, you know, it, it, that means somewhere there was a warehouse full of rock monster costumes. You know, someone at Paramount really should have talked to the folks at Lucas. So, um, anyway, getting back to shooting at Mono Lake, uh, and in part of the book, uh, Anthony talks about the day they were shooting there. It snowed, and you know, fortunately, somebody had a hairdryer. You know, on full blast, that's what kept me from freezing to a halt. And um, and he said the finished ads were great, you know, but the product was not so great. Uh, and I guess what happened is that because when they began feeding it to kids and they really didn't respond in the focus groups, they then added sugar to the recipes. And then what they did is they decided to glue two of the O's together. And now the new catchphrase for the film or excuse me for the cereal was twin rings of honey sweetened oats fused together for a truly galactic breakfast. Uh, and he then goes on to describe how they shot some commercials outside of Las Vegas and the Sandy Waste there. And 
how the producers were not amused because now he's working with the new version of the serial and how he kept describing them as C3P8s. Uh, <laughs> and then from there, uh, you know, he just he talks about the premiere in Tampa where they they finally unveiled the serial and you know, he, he he and his C3PO outfit busts out of an eight foot box and that swirls around on the stage with, you know, smoke and lasers and um and but he's you know, what's interesting is the thing he's got at his home now is is the box that they use to shoot the box for the cover of the serial. So they hadn't even, you know, in a weird bend on the world. The box that he has his, at his house is hand painted. Um, you know that that that's wow. the the likeness because they needed to shoot a photo of him holding the cereal box to then put on the cereal box. Um, and you know, so he described the day that they're shooting this that well, they're only shooting me from the waist up. So he's literally w- only wearing the top half of the C three PO costume, and he's in jeans below that. And he's holding, you know, uh, you know, the, the food items that are being going to be shot for the, the, the front of the box. And, you know, the whole, the Kellogg and both Kellogg's and General Mills use the, the terminology part of a healthy breakfast. So in other words, if you read a, eat a box or eat a bowl of heavily sugared cereal, but, but you also eat it with some whole wheat toast and some fruit. You know, you're having a healthy breakfast. It's all the food groups. I, by the way, I remember. I can vividly remember eating these things often, and uh, while not being super wild by them, I didn't think they tasted bad. I mean, I, I think I was in that I need marshmallows in this thing phase. But <laughs> I, do we ever grow out of that phase? I, but I, it, you know, uh, it's good. It was, it was good. It was good. Well, but but but, but this is the part again, and this is what I why I'm I'm since we finished talking here, Dan, I'm going to circle back to to reading inside story because he talks about this photo shoot. And again, he's, he's only wearing the top half of the C3PO outfit and he's holding the tray, you know, with photo ready food. And, but this is the problem that real milk is making the product that the C3PO's go soggy too fast. That and so, I can vouch for that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally vouch for that. Okay. So solution for the photo shoot is they send a tech out, he goes to the local pharmacy and comes back with a bottle of milk of magnesia. <laughs> and so they now pour that over a new bowl of cereal and they begin to shoot. And meanwhile, the art director in between shots is going in with a Q-tip and moving individual pieces of fruit around in the mix and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, trying to make the, the cereal look as good as possible. But he, he keeps taking the Q-tip and putting it in his mouth and cleaning it, and then going back and moving the fruit around and the cereal around it. Anthony is like, now I know this guy's got to fly home on the plane tomorrow, and I hope somebody explained to him that milk of magnesia is a laxative. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, so, but, I mean, again, th- those are the types of stories that, um, you know, that, that he shares in this book. And well, this wonderfully dry, dry humor, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I, I just before we close here, I, uh, I, I have to ask, you know, that, 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 that are there any of our listeners out there, you know, like Dan, who have you know, fond memories of C3PO's or for that matter, clone crunch, somebody has to have eaten this stuff. They got to be able to tell us, you know, what it tasted like, you know, the, the, uh, for me, the, uh, the Star Wars cereal, 
that, that I just had. Uh, again, they, they describe it as a, a fruity flavored. Yeah, it, it did have kind of a citrus base. Um, but, yeah, you know, again, you're in there for the marshmallows, Dan. And, That's right. Uh, and the box know, art. Yeah. So, um, I, but uh, to circle back on, on uh, you know, you, your interview with, with Anthony, um, now is that? live now on coffee with kenobi or yeah it came out uh it's been out for about 10 days or so now it, it's done mm-hmm. extremely well we were the the featured podcast on stitcher's podcast app which was great because it was so successful again it was uh i got a good 35 minutes with him it's awesome we go through sort of his history with c3po and the character talk about um star wars and concert which he hosted which is probably his favorite experience with c3po i even got him to comment on his red arm in the oh. force awakens and i also got him to talk about the trailer very briefly too so it was it was pretty fantastic definitely check it out and let me know what you think i i, I will do that i would but but coming up this week what what have you got over uh for coffee with kenobi as well as your your many other very interesting podcasts sure well we have uh rebecca roanhorse the author of resistance reborn which is a sort of a prequel to the rise of skywalker we chat with her for a little bit uh and then uh in fact later tonight i'm going to be recording our first review episode of the mandalorian we're not having a special like munchies with the mando or anything like that we're just going to review mm-hmm. all the episodes of of the mandalorian on coffee with kenobi and so be on the lookout for those after you watch the show half a dozen times come <laughs> find us on coffee with kenobi we'll be talking about the episodes Okay, and we've got uh, now. Uh, okay, just just review here. the The first week of Disney Plus, they they launched on Tuesday with a brand new episode of The Mandalorian. We get episode two on Friday, the fifteenth, and then after that, it's every Friday we get a new episode, right? Uh basically, they're they're bouncing back and forth because they don't want one to come out the same day as the Rise of Skywalker. But there is definitely there is definitely a schedule to it. Uh, in fact, if if we um, if we talk amongst ourselves for a few moments, I can pull it up for you and tell you because I just looked it up earlier today. No, oh, okay. What else have you watched on Disney Plus, by the way? Well, I, I, so far, I, again, that that that's because uh, <laughs> I have all these other podcasts I do the the the, the Digitish with Lentesta, the fine tuning as we went to with Drew Taylor. Uh, Universal Joint with Dustin Shoes and what is it? Uh, eh, oh, of course, uh, Marvelous, Marvelous Podcast. Yes. Marvelous CC with, with uh, Aaron Adams. It was nice to have to edit a lot of podcasts here. And, of course, uh, the show with Michelle Valladolid. I want that. But, you know, uh, that's what on opening day, I literally could only carve out time to watch a couple of things. So I watched... Uh, the first episode of Leslie Iwerks, uh Imagineering documentary series, and oh god, Dan, that was great. Uh, and like I obviously watched The Mandalorian, uh, went over and watched a few of the uh, you know Spark shorts. Uh, you know, to attack the the one that I hadn't managed to see yet. Uh, float. I still think uh, out of those, the the very best one of the bunch is Kitbull. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to circle back on you know, and and friends are like you have been reaching out and just you know blithering about things like the the Jeff Goldblum show. Oh, it's fantastic! Um, it is. Okay. I would subscribe to Disney Plus just for that. 
Okay. Well, that's as soon as we wrap up here, you know, I'm going to sit on the couch with my Anthony Daniels book in my lap and, you know, multitask, see if I can check out this new Jeff Goldblum thing. So they, uh, they come out every Friday. The only one that doesn't is episode seven that comes out Wednesday, December 18th. Ah, okay. And you got to respect them for doing that, you know, just sort of clearing the runway for yep. uh, Rise of the Distance, which undoubtedly Dan and I will talk about on an upcoming episode. But for now, folks, because Dan is also a busy man, and what, in five minutes you have to, to jump into recording another podcast. So I'm going to shut up now and, and get off the horn here. But I hope you enjoyed the show, and Dan and I will be back soon, hopefully with a brand new episode of Looking at Lucasfilm. Uh, till then, take care.